get up here and talk to you about something that God's dealing with me about. Is that right? So, as I deliver this to you, please know that this is exactly where I'm walking, okay? So, what I'm saying to you, I'm receiving for myself, and I'm walking out myself, so I don't want you to think, oh, she's giving it this because uh, she just wants us to act better. No. It's, it's to help remind me what the Word of God says and what we're supposed to do. Amen? You know, when we go through some difficult times, and we get squeezed, and we go through um, things that just aren't any fun... What is inside of you will come out. And when you think you don't have, you think that you got your flesh under feet, I guarantee you persecution and tribulations and things like that will let you know you're just not there yet. It it must be God's humbling place. Amen. Amen. It is just a very humbling place to think. You know, as, as I, I woke up this morning, about 1230 this morning, and I woke up with tears in my eyes, but I don't remember that I had a dream or that God was dealing with me about anything. Or, But I do know that as I wiped those tears away and I began just talking to the Lord and I began sharing with him that it, what we were going through was a really hard thing and it didn't feel good at all. And I just began to cry. And so I know whatever I was dealing with before, it was the same because it was just so quick to have the tears flow. And I laid there a while and just talked to God and just shared my heart. And how many of you know God just wants us to be honest with him? And, you know, we just got to be real with him. And he meets us right where we're at. Amen. And as I, as I laid there and, and I finished praying and I thought, well, I'm awake. So an hour later, I'm awake. I got up and and I you know just put some praise and worship music on, and I was working on my message and and I just before I got up, I was laying there and and I just thought about my life for a moment. And and I know I've, some of you have heard heard a little bit, but you know I think about my life and I have known God all my life. I mean, I don't remember not ever having. God out of my life. I just know that he was just always been in my life forever. But but I I know the day and the hour of when I gave my heart to him when I was 10 years old at Little Bowling Springs camp out here at our little Christian church camp up in that little chapel, you know, that you walk up those. How many of you have ever been out to Bowling Springs? Walked up those long stairs and the heat of the summer and and I was a fifth grader going into the sixth grade, almost 11, but still 10. And as they started singing the song, Just As I Am, without one plea, I remember not being able to hold back the tears. And I just kept crying, and I kept crying, and I remember getting back. I mean, I went forward, but I remember coming back to our little cabin and our counselor was in there, and all I could do was cry. I mean, I was 10 years old, and it was just like, I met Jesus. Even though I already had him to a certain degree, I, I had knowledge of him, but I met him as my Lord and Savior that night. And he wasn't just my Savior. 
I didn't ever have to go through a place where he finally became my Lord. He was just my Lord and Savior all my life. And I say this because just because someone's walked with God doesn't mean they're not dealing with their flesh too. And feelings and hurts and pains just like everybody else. But I know that through walking with him and knowing him as Lord and Savior practically all my life, he is an amazing God. And through everything that we've been going through, God is more real to me than he's ever been in my whole life. Isn't that a beautiful God? I mean, I have pressed into the word of God, and I just, I'm like, no, I'd rather just sit and read my Bible. I mean, and that's really hasn't been me, has it? I love the word and everything, but it just, but it's just like, you know, okay, I'll pray. I just, I just walk with God all the time. You know, it's just there all the time. And, but it has been new. How many of you know new is good? And it's been fun. And even though I've had four hours of sleep tonight, last night, I mean, I wasn't even tired today. It was just like, I just had fun with God. I mean, just in there studying and doing all these word studies, and it's just so cool. I mean, God is just so big, and it just takes me on this one, and I go run over here, and, oh, I did this word study, and I'm running over here, and I was like copy and paste it and trying to do this one. Like, okay, now i got to get back on this one, and and. It's exciting. God's word is just not dull. And what God began to talk to me about was, as believers, do you think the body of Christ is acting totally the way that God wants us to act? Do you think that sometimes we we come in, we hear a message, I've heard that before. But... Are we absolutely walking it out in our lives? So this was my revelation was if we're not walking out the character of God in our lives, guess what? We can. God has not said, sorry, you're not doing it now, so just forget it. Right? He just is always there pushing us to become more like him. Do you agree? And hard times are what make you look and see what you're not doing right. You know, when you're on the mountaintop and everything's good and there's no fire darts coming your way, it doesn't happen very often, but, but when there's a little slow time and it doesn't seem you know it's not as dramatic of things and everything you know you're really not working on your character you know you're not saying was i did i walk in love enough today was i you know you're just like you're just taking life and enjoying life and everything but as we look at these scriptures i want you to remember the the first one's in romans just because i want i don't want you to feel condemned okay 
Because the Bible says there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? So, if we're not supposed to feel condemned, why do, why do we? Well, my theory is, since you asked, I'm so glad you asked me, is if you feel condemned, you are not yielding to the conviction of the Holy Spirit to change your life. And you're receiving it as guilt. Because the enemy is always right in there to twist. He just is a good little twister. He's a manipulator because our battle is never against flesh and blood. Is that correct? You know, sometimes it looks like it. I mean, right? Sometimes, like if you're having an argument with your spouse, which I'm sure it's not you guys, but it looks like your battle's against them, doesn't it? Hello? But it is not. And I know it's, it, it's really hard for us sometimes to separate that and to know it's the devil that hates us, and he is always the one that tries to divide and tries to cause strife and contention between families, between friends. It's him. It's his fault. He is the accuser of the brethren. Amen? No matter what relationship it is, it's him. And that's where our war is. But as we look at the scripture, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. doesn't mean you can do everything you want and not feel condemned. Okay? But it means that if you'll receive conviction of the Holy Spirit and change, things will happen in your life. But see, what happens is sometimes it's easier just to feel condemned and feel sorry for yourself and just, ugh than it is to change, because change requires what? Work. Oh, that four-letter word, work. Let's look in John fourteen fifteen. The Bible says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Okay. This is like a giant scripture. Say this with me. If you love Jesus... You'll obey his word. Why do we have so many believers that don't obey his word but say they love Jesus? No. It's because we don't want to go to the cross. I believe... There's a whole lot of Christians that love Jesus. In fact, they better all love Jesus. If they're a Christian or they're a believer, they're ambassador, they're all these wonderful things, sons of God. Right? Should all love God. But the Bible says, if you love me, you'll obey me. So if this is what God's looking at, obedience. If you love me, you'll obey me. Right? Does he say, You have to obey me perfectly. We know he doesn't say that because he gives us repentance. Right? He's the one that, well, if you do sin, I believe there's a scripture that says, if you do, then we have our advocate, our our Jesus. Amen? 
who has made a way for us. Doesn't give you a license to sin. Because our goal is obedience. Always obedience. So remember that. If you love me, you'll keep my commandment. Well, if you love Jesus, not me. Okay, Hosea 4.1. This is like um, bits and pieces of scriptures in here. So it's 1, 2, and 6. Listen to the word of the Lord, O sons of Israel, for the Lord has a case against inhabitants of, of the land because there is no faithfulness or kindness or knowledge of God in the land. Verse 2. There is swearing and deception and murder and stealing and adultery. Number six, verse six, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. So the people without understanding are ruined. So is knowledge and understanding, is, is it important? Yes. Let's look at Proverbs ten twenty one. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of understanding. Remember what Jesus said in John fourteen fifteen, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Galatians 6, verse 9 and 10. Let us not lose heart in doing good. Have you ever lost heart in doing good? That's all? It's all of you? Wow. Okay. For in due time, we will reap if we do not grow weary. Anyone ever grow weary? So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to... Oh, my goodness. What did that say? What does all mean? All is everybody, right? Let us do good to all people, and especially to those of the household of, who's that? <gasps> That's our brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's not just us, right? It's everybody that's in the household of faith, brothers and sisters in Christ, every single person. We are all on the same team, aren't we? Let us do good to all people, and especially those who are the household of faith. Okay. This next scripture is 1 Peter 1 through, chapter 1, 1 through 14. And this is what we're going to work on. Now, Peter was in his, he was, this is probably, probably some of his last words that he's leaving the churches here. Because I was reading the different studies, and no one can totally agree on when Peter actually died. Maybe 64, maybe 68, 69. You know, there's just a lot of gray area when you don't have an exact uh, manuscript that shows the date of their death or anything. So somewhere before the destruction of Jerusalem, Peter died. And he knew he was about to die because Jesus told him. And we'll see this at the end in verse 12. But as we read, I'm going to read over all the scriptures, and then we're going to take each thing, and we're going to see how many, if I tell you tonight that these scriptures tell you that if you do these things, you will never stumble. It's what the Word says, not me. The Word says, you'll see it when we read it, that you will never stumble if you practice these things 
and they are ever increasing in your life. Now, is that pretty powerful? So has God given us some keys here to have victory all the time? I mean, to me, if you never stumble or fall, that's victory all the time, isn't it? So these scriptures are very important, and they'll sound familiar to some of the things that if you've read the Gospels and and some of the other epistles, you'll see that um, these are in the Word other places also. But he puts them all together right here, and he tells you that if you practice these things and they increase, that's important. They increase. They get stronger in your life that you will never stumble. Okay, let's look at Second Peter 1. I mean, yes, I'm sorry. Actually, it is Second Peter. I just didn't read this other one in First Peter 1.14. Let's read that right quick. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust, which were yours in your ignorance. So let's say before Christ, right? But... Like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves. Be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. (gasps) Ouchie, ouchie, ouchie. That's my toes too. Be holy. It is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Are we supposed to be like God? Is Jesus our example? Was he holy? Are we supposed to be like him? Then why why do we... I think we've just gotten kind of lazy. As Christians, as believers, as followers of, followers of Christ, as ambassadors, as sons of God, I, I think we've gotten a little lazy. And we have not been crucifying our flesh like we're supposed to. All of us. Because if we were doing what we were supposed to be doing, then stuff wouldn't get to us as much as it does. So we know that there are things that we still have to get under our feet. Okay, now let's look at 2 Peter 1. It's going to be verses 1 through 12. Okay, I'm going to read through this quickly, and then we'll break down each of those things that we're supposed to do. Simon Peter, a bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you, Multiplies good, isn't it, of grace and peace? In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us what? Everything. everything pertaining to life and godliness. That means everything's been granted to us to walk a life of godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. I like that. 
magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Okay, listen up. Verse 5. Now for this very reason, these are the keys. Also applying all diligence, in your faith supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful. That means that you won't be useless and you won't be unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Verse 9. For he who lacks these qualities is blind spiritually, is short-sighted spiritually, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, who's the brethren? The, the, the brothers and sisters of Christ. Be all the more diligent, there's diligent again, to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things... There it is. It's in his word. You will never stumble. When I read that this week, I was like, you will never stumble. Wow. I read that again. Told Derek, told my mom, dad. I was like, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. Therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things. See, you know them, but I'm here to remind you, just like Peter was reminding them. Even though you already know them and have been established in the truth, which is present with you, I consider it right as long as... I am in this earthly dwelling to stir you up by way of reminder, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent, as also our Lord Jesus Christ has made it clear to me. He knew he was about to die. And I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind. Okay. Okay, diligence. Diligence is our first word. What do you think of when you hear diligence? Persistent. Persistent. What else? Pressing. Okay, if you are an employer and you hire a diligent person, what is that to you? Faithful. Are they a hard worker? Are, are you going to be able to give them something and they accomplish it? Yes. A diligent person is somebody you want. Whether it's in the body of Christ or if you're working in the marketplace or you're getting a task done or whatever you're doing, a diligent person is a good person to have, 
right? Okay, so it says applying diligence. So if the first thing is diligent is key because it's first, right? Because the other ones build on each other because it says add to, add to, add to, right? So if we're starting out with diligent, that's the first thing that you have to begin to say, I'm going to be diligent in everything that I put my hands to. Whatever you speak out of your mouth that you tell someone you're going to do, you better be diligent to make that come to pass because your character depends on that. The body of Christ should not be people that say they're going to do something and don't do it. The body of Christ should be people, a people of their word. If they say, I'm going to be somewhere at 5 o'clock and they're not there, and you know what? I know we have all fallen short with that. So again, this is not receiving condemnation. This is receiving conviction to say, yeah, I remember then, I remember then. Oh, yeah, I forgot to call that one back. And oh, yeah, yeah, okay. So praise God that Jesus wipes our slate clean when we repent. So tonight as we will pray and we'll just get that all under the blood of Jesus, then the moment we walk out of here, everything's new. Isn't that the awesome thing about Jesus? I mean, how freeing is that? That is incredible. So if we're going to be diligent, we're going to be applying diligence to every one of these things. And in fact, there's, I think there's nine things. We've got nine fruit of the spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And some of these fall under the fruit of the spirit. But yet that he's got them separated right here with these nine things to do that say, if you do these and you build on these and you increase in these, then you will never stumble. So we have the keys to success right here in every area of our lives. So after we, we have diligence, then we're going to have faith, right? We're going to add to our diligence faith. Now, the Bible says that we can't please God without faith. Is that right? We cannot please God if we don't have faith. And that's faith in him. That's having confidence in him and trusting in him, even when we can't see the outcome of something. It, faith is seeing and not believing. I mean, <laughs> it is believing and not without seeing, right? So how many of you know it's easy to see something and believe, right? That's not faith. Just like Pastor Eric says, when you come in and sit in this chair, you have faith that that chair is going to hold you up. And that you're not going to crumble to the floor, right? We need to have that same kind of faith for everything that we're believing God for. And, and not doubt. Okay, so after we've had, we were applying diligence, we're adding faith, right? Then we're going to add to our faith virtue. Virtue is moral excellence, godly character. It's doing the right thing when no one's looking. It is acting the way you're supposed to act, responding the way you're supposed to respond. And, you know, this, this is our goal as believers, to be Christ-like more today than we were yesterday, 
and more tomorrow than we were today. It's supposed to build. We're not supposed to stay stagnant and be the same. We are supposed to become be, becoming like Christ every day of our life. Would you agree? But I think the church has gotten across the across the United States. Okay, I'm going to clarify that on the United States. I think we've gotten too too lackadaisical about our Christian walk, and we have we have taken for granted some of that reverence and fear of the Lord to say. If you love me, you'll obey me. See, when we come into the kingdom, when we come in and we receive salvation and we receive Jesus as king of our life right here, the kingdom of God, this is our life now. And what's happened is people come in and they have received him as savior, but they haven't received him as their king of their life and their Lord, that where, where Jesus' lordship over every area of their life, and they don't even know what's in here, or they may know some things, but they're not doing it. But that's why there should be, if we are a new creature in Christ Jesus, our life should transform daily if we're renewing our minds to the word of God, right? This is life. His word is life, right? Okay. So we've added faith, I mean virtue, to our faith, right? It's moral excellence. It's godly character. Virtue is considered a necessary ingredient in the exercise of faith. So they go together. Conforming your life and conduct to God's moral and ethical principles in his word. That's what virtue is. And now we're going to add to virtue knowledge. Now, do you think knowledge, this knowledge is just how many books we can read and how, and how much worldly knowledge we can get? Absolutely not. You could have 25 zillion, all these PhDs and all these letters at the end of your name. I don't even know all these things that you can get, all these degrees. But is that the knowledge here? No. That is just nothing of the knowledge of God, of knowing God. It's not just having knowledge of God, but knowing God, okay? Because knowledge of God doesn't bring you into a personal relationship. There are people that have knowledge of God that don't have a personal relationship with God. Demons have knowledge of God, don't they? But they'll never have a personal relationship with God, will they? So it's knowing God intimately, personally. When it tells you about the knowledge of God, it's knowing him inside out. It's knowing the heartbeat of God when you have the knowledge of God. So don't ever think, well, it's just, you know, you can, you can have this whole thing memorized and not have a relationship with God that's going to change your life. Pharisees did that, Pastor Virginia said. And Jesus rebuked them pretty good, didn't he? I mean, we think about Jesus as this just little, oh, I mean, you vipers. Do you remember in the word? It's like, can you imagine getting rebuked like that from Jesus? Woo! And they still didn't accept him, did they? Okay, so what are we going to add 
to knowledge, knowing God. We're going to add temperance. Oh, woohoo! See, we have we have a whole lot of lack of self control. I, I know you don't want to hear it, but if you can't control yourself. You're not going to control your mouth. You're not going to control your feelings. You're not, I mean, nothing's going to be controlled if you can't control yourself. But the, the greatest, most awesome thing is the more you control yourself, the stronger you get. Because God empowers you. He releases angels on assignment. The more you choose to obey and, and bring your flesh under, there is strength in that. And when you don't, the enemy empowers you demonically. You you choose which empowering side you, you get from. I mean, you know, so many times, well, I just couldn't help it. Yeah? Yeah, you can't help it. Because not only is it a fruit of the Spirit, it's part of being sons of God and obeying God. That if you, if you love God, you'll obey him. And he said, have self-control. Right? I didn't say any of this. This is just all his word. He said, if you have self-control, if you have diligence, and you have faith, and you have virtue, and you have knowledge of knowing God intimately, and and you have what? Self-control? And then we'll add these others. You will never stumble. Okay. So, self-control, moderation or self-restraint in action and statement. What happens is we, if, if we want to respond and react, we just do. But self-control is containing those emotions and containing those words and saying, is this how I need to deliver this? Is this how God wants me to deliver this word to this person? Or are we just reacting out of emotion? Habitual moderation in the indulgence of a natural appetite or passion. There, there's no self-control even in the body of Christ with some sexually and drugs and alcohol and things like that, that that are addictions. That can be brought under control with self-control. Okay, now we're going to add to self-control, temperance. We're going to add patience. Oh, and you're like, oh, my goodness, how many more things you can hit me with here? Patience. Do you know how you develop patience? Children. That's why God gave us kids, right? Uh, a spouse, uh, co-workers, other brothers and sisters in the Lord. I mean, you know what? I guarantee you, if you want to be sharpened up with patience, just hang around people. And, you know, some, some I've heard people say, oh, I, just, I just hate people. I just want to be around people. Well, we can't have that attitude because God made us. And he loves us, and he tells us to love one another, right? Love one another. Okay, so patience is perseverance, cheerful endurance. Oh, say cheerful endurance. Count it all joy. Don't you love that scripture? Oh, I want to hide that one. When you go through various trials and tribulations. Well, the good thing is he's not saying count the trial joyful. He's just saying 
count it all joy as you go through this because if you keep looking to him, he's going to teach you something, you're going to grow through it, and it's not going to be for nothing, okay? And that's what you have to remember when you go through the trial and tribulation. You're not counting the trial and tribulation joyful. You're so like, oh, thank you for all this bad that's happening to me. No, but you say, God, I thank you that you're with me. I thank you that you're going to strengthen me. I thank you that I'm going to learn something and you're going to reveal. Don't just say, well, you're going to teach them something. You say, teach me something. Because I guarantee you, every single one of us have, have to turn inside and say, what is it that I can do better, that I need to grow in? Because as soon as we point the finger at one, we got three pointing back at us. Okay? So just remember, it's the scripture that says, don't worry about the plank and or the, the little speck in someone else's eye when you got a plank in your own, right? We, we just got enough to take care of ourselves, to get ourselves holy and godly and be in everything that God wants us to be. Amen? Okay, so patience. Listen to this one. An ability or willingness to suppress restlessness or annoyance when confronted with delay. I think we are in this society where the spirit behind lack of patience is fast food and microwave and everything's fast, and we have learned to demand everything now. I want it. I want it now. I want something. You order on the Internet. I don't want to wait two days. I want it in one day. I want it 24-hour delivery. You know what I mean? We just don't want to wait on anything. So it is. The enemy has been behind this to really cause us not to not to be patient people because we want things fast and we want it now and we want it when we want it and it's feeding our flesh of selfishness. Okay. But we're going to be patient people. And we're going to count it all joy, right? So we're going to add add to patience godliness. What is godliness? It is being like God. It's not being God, but it's being like God, right? Okay, we're supposed to be godly. That is holiness, and we're supposed to be holy because he is holy, right? So we've got holiness. It's being reverent. It's devotion to God. It's having, having respect and awe towards God. It's not only worshiping God with every action, but it's adoring him, loving him with all of our heart. That's godliness. Listen, this will change your life. Just like Pastor Virginia has been talking about core beliefs. See, you have to take these, and for them to be a core belief in you, you have to, you have to meditate on these, and you have to say these nine things. I have got to advance and increase in my life daily so that I will never stumble. Brotherly kindness is what we're going to add to godliness. We know that brotherly kindness is love between the brethren, right? We are to love one another. Love one another. We're to love one another in the body of Christ, right? Love each other. Not just in living word fellowship, Everywhere, we're to love each other, right? That's what he said right here. Brotherly love, love of the brethren, the body of Christ, love of the brotherhood should be the strongest attachment to Christ's flock. Listen to this. Feeling like each 
as a member of your own body. If anyone in the body of Christ is hurting, we should be hurting. That's brotherly kindness. Now, what are we going to add to brotherly kindness? Well, what God, what, what God had Peter do was just expand that to include everybody. Love. Charity. Agape love. Agape love is the kind of love that God has for us that we are to reciprocate to him and to the body of Christ and to everybody. You know, what, what happens is our love walk gets tested probably every day, right? Anybody? Pretty much get tested every day. And what you have to do is just begin to listen to yourself. Are you walking in love? I mean, brotherly love is great because we're supposed to especially love the, you know, the household of faith. But then we're supposed to reach in there to go everywhere. Everyone. We're to love everyone with the agape love that God has for us. Because the Bible says that love is what draws a man to repentance, right? Okay. So let's go over this real quick. Number one, say it with me. Let's go to the, the list there, Eli. Number one, applying all diligence, being totally devoted to God's word and his will. Right here. Because what in John fourteen fifteen it says, if you love me, you'll obey my word. You'll keep my commandments. And that's everything in here. Number two, we're going to add to diligence what? Faith, confident trust in God, believing without seeing. Then we're going to add to faith what? Virtue, Virtue, which is moral excellence. It's character. We're going to add to virtue what? Knowledge. Knowledge. Not worldly knowledge, but knowing God intimately, relationship, knowing who he is. this, This book right here will show you God. But then you have to receive it in a way that that you build a relationship with God that you just don't know about him, but you know him personally. And then we're going to add to knowledge what? Self-control, temperance. We're going to control ourselves. And then we're going to add to temperance what? Patience. Okay, listen to patience. Being consistently constant. I heard Kenneth Copeland say that many years ago. Patience. Being consistently constant no matter what you're going through. Consistently constant. The, the trials and the circumstances should not move us off obeying God. It doesn't mean when you go through a difficult time that you never have an emotion. You never, it's just like, does that mean I can't be affected by anything? I mean, God gave us emotions. He just doesn't want emotions to have us. You know, I believe that, you know, as, as you grow and mature, there are times when it just may take an hour to work through it. It may take, it depends on how deep the wound was, it may take a few hours or a few days or a few weeks. But what I know is God meets you that as you're working through it, you've got your eyes on him and you're saying, I know this isn't the way I should feel. I know this isn't the attitude I should have. I know that, that I need to be striving towards Everything that he tells me in these nine things right here, if I don't want to stumble and fall. 
right? So I'm not saying that you're going to be perfect at this, but you're, you're moving forward, you're advancing in it, and you're increasing in it every single day of your life. That is your goal. Every single day of your life that you are advancing, you're increasing in, in diligence. And let's read this real fast. So in diligence, in faith, in, in virtue, in knowledge, in temperance, in patience, in godliness, in brotherly kindness, and love. And you will never stumble. Stand up, please. 